Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Previously on Mentally Yours, I recovered from an eating disorder when I was 25 and I was thinking about my mental health education and how, even though I went to a fantastic school that was very progressive in many ways, they hadn't given me the tools that I needed to kind of navigate my own mind successfully, I guess. It's Mentally Yours from Ellen and Hello everyone and welcome to Mentally Yours, Metro.co.uk's weekly mental health podcast. You should also check out our other podcast which is called Good Sex, Bad Sex. My name's Yvette, there's no Ellen joining us this week, she's off on her holidays. This week's guest is Jake Mills. He sets up a fantastic charity called Chasing the Stigma and he's also founded an app called Hub of Hope. We're going to be chatting to him about this use of technology and also his own story in terms of men's mental health and his suicide attempt. I decided after a little bit to speak publicly about what I'd gone through. Um, probably the main reason to do that wasn't to help people or wasn't to uh, try and, you know, spread awareness or nothing like that. It was purely because uh, I felt like if I was going to move on in my life and, and move on from that kind of incident, uh, I had to kind of be honest with myself. And I decided just to do that in the most public way that I possibly could and, and announced on uh, on Twitter this is what I've got. I've done a thread of probably about 15 tweets saying this is how I felt. This is where it led to. This is what I've done. This is how I tried to do it. Nobody's got anything on me anymore. And I spoke out publicly, put it all out there and moved on with my life. And you know what? It was probably one of the best feelings I've ever had. 
it, it almost felt kind of liberating to be able to say, I'm not hiding anymore. Mm. You know, there was people who obviously, you know, because it was a suicide attempt, there was certain people who knew and close family knew. Um, and then there was, there was some people trying to kind of, who had heard rumours and were kind of mocking me online. That's kind of what led to me trying to do it so publicly. Um, but what happened as a result of that is that my my kind of the response that I was getting and my story then kind of went viral. So it was uh, shared in local press first and then in national press. And then it was kind of, uh, so Owen Jones done a piece at The Guardian and then uh, went on the Lorraine show. And it was being shared by people like Emma Watson and people and it, it just kind of just exploded. And what was happening was that loads and loads and loads of people were coming to me asking for help. And they were saying, uh, you know, I feel this way. Uh, people saying, um, I recognise the things that you've said, put in a loved one and, uh, you know, my dad or my brother or um, my mum. And how did they get help? Where did they go? And the reality was I didn't know because my my story wasn't a good one. I didn't go and get help and, and I was fine. Um, so I was saying to people, go to go to your GP or go to A&E if it's an emergency. And... Truth be told, I had zero in, um, zero kind of faith in either of them. Um, I thought these, this isn't really what what these people want. Might not necessarily be what they need. And the kind of the more and more interviews that I kept doing about my experiences, the more and more people were messaging me. And I realised one the power of that experience, and and you know the fact that these people were coming to me who I'm, I'm essentially a, a nobody and. Yet they're coming to me to share really personal information. It was people not just saying they felt like that or feel this way. It's people saying, I'm, I'm about to kill myself. I'm in my room, about to do it now. I need you to stop me. And so it made me realise that power of real life experience, but also made me realise the responsibility that I was taking on by speaking so publicly about my own experiences. Whether I liked it or not, it was a responsibility. Because by saying to people, I'm I'm not hiding, I'm not ashamed, and I'm going to share this, I was giving them, I suppose, hope in that they can come through it as well. And then they were coming to me in the hope that I would help them come through it. So I, I, this was four years ago, I decided to put out an appeal, and I just said, if you offer any mental health support, if you offer a service where it's a charity, a big charity, a small charity, a community group who meet in the church hall for a cup of tea once a week. No matter what you are, just tell me who you are because I'm getting people coming to me asking for help and I want to be able to guide them to the help that's available. We all know that the kind of the pressure that the NHS is under and the waiting list that, that people are on for years sometimes. It's got to be something in between. Um, so... I put that appeal out and then I said I'm going to put it all together in one big database, a national database called the Hub of Hope. Um, and then it we it was kind of like conversations with people how, you know, I said I was going to do it. I had absolutely no idea how I was going to do it. I had no money. I had no technical uh, ability myself. So just meeting people, having conversations, finding out how we could do it, beg, steal and borrowing. And um and then I met a, a tech company in Liverpool called Mashbo, and they said, we'll make it, we'll we'll find a way. We got some money to help with that. And then we built the Hub of Hope, so it's a, it's a national database of uh, local and national support. And think of it as the just eat of the mental health services. So no matter where you are in the country, you can just press one button, 
that'll say find nearby services. You don't have to input anything and it'll use your device's location to find the mental health support that's near you. Mm. So it's been available as a website and then it's now launched as an app on uh, Apple and, and Android devices. You put in your, well, you don't have to put in your location because if you have location services turned on on your phone, it no, it can work out where you are. And then it just automatically comes up with a list of all the local help groups. So mine, it was really great. So you had local Samaritans, you had a local group, like you said, which to be honest, I had absolutely no idea it was there. Um, it had a really good range. So it had sort of bereavement support. It had things for uh, mums who were going through issues themselves. There was also a local one for um, bipolar support. So that was really great. One thing I really like about it is you've got a little button on there, which takes you to the Samaritans. We just want people to know that there's options, mm. that there's always options. The services that are on there now, I think we've got 1,200 services nationally on there. Mm. Um, and, you know, we know, and I know anyone you speak to will tell you that there's a lot more than 1,200 services across the country. Mm. But what we haven't done is we haven't said, well, let's wait until we've got everything until we launch. We said, well, let's put something out. Yeah. And it's free to use and free to be on. So, for example, if you look on there and think, actually, well, we haven't got such and such on there, tell us because that's how we build it. Mm. Um, but you'll also, you will get... Um, so it's not just local, you'll get national. So on every search, you'll get a national charity as well. Uh, and the reason for that is because as we're building it and we might not have something for your area, wherever you are, yeah. I don't want anybody to get a result that says, sorry, no results found. So you'll mm. always get a national at least. But yeah, on every single page is a button that will say talk now. And that if you press that, it'll take you direct through to the Samaritans. And it's we're, what we're trying to do is just change that narrative. And we know more than than well not more than anyone but you know what i mean by that how bad kind of the mental health provision in this country can be mm. how it needs drastic investment how it needs drastic change from top to bottom yeah but what we're not willing to do what i'm not willing to do is just stand by and allow kind of you know government to say well we'll invest x amount in within two years time or opposition to say well if you vote for us in four years time we'll mm. do this because we know that people need help now yeah and so we're trying to change that narrative a little bit to say yet yeah, we know how much needs to change we know how much needs investment mm. but there is help there are options mm. and i would say that it's it's just as important for people to know the options yeah. and never to use them than if they did to just sort of have it on your phone and then you go straight through to a helpline or you, you've got the thing right there is incredibly helpful. Yeah. And again, it's not to replace doctors or counselling services or whatever it might be, but to give people the different options. Because mm. I would say, I would argue that the biggest difference between uh, being physically unwell and being mentally unwell is if you're physically unwell, you know, you understand and trust that process to get better. I think if you're mentally unwell or struggling in any capacity, you don't you don't know it, you don't understand it, and you certainly don't trust it. Yeah. You have no idea where to turn. Mm. For me, I had to go to see three different doctors before one of them actually said to me, "Okay, let's talk about this," and and gave me that questionnaire, which you know we all hate. Yeah, yeah. But it took three doctors to get to that point. Mm. So. You're turning to people and they might not necessarily know where to, where to be directing to. So it's about saying, do you know what? Okay, if you do go to a doctor and you get given uh, medication or you don't, or you don't, whatever happens in that doctor's office isn't your only option. Mm. That medication isn't your only option. 
if you're on a waiting list, you don't have to just sit and wait. You can try other things as well at the mm. same time. And find support groups and other people that have been through similar things and just helplines for those, sort of, you know, 3am moments when you actually need to talk to someone, but, you know, the GP surgery is not open. People will, will say to me, how how do you talk to somebody who you're worried about? And I always say one of the best things you can do is before you talk to them is have a look at the support that's available so that if you do ask that question, you're already prepared with something. Um, and that's what that's what this is about. It's not about, and, and that's why I like that it's a downloadable app as well now because it's not just about the people who need it at that specific time. It's about the listening ears, the shoulders to cry on, the people who you might turn to. And that's why I would kind of I would say to anybody is that if somebody came to you and said, I'm struggling, would you know what to do? Would you know where to direct them? And no one, none of us have to be the expert, but we can know where the experts are. Mm. It'll be easier on the people who are meant to be looking after somebody as well to say there's loads of different options. And there are, there's, I mean, on there, there's, um, for example, there's a, there's a mental health football league up and down the country, for example, you know, a group where you can just go play football, be around people who are going through similar things or have been through similar things. You might not even talk about it, but what I've witnessed is how that community, that little group that they build at that football team, how they rally around each other when they do go through a bad time. They're the things that I would never have known about. Mm. What I didn't know about, I didn't know about the majority of the things that are actually on the on the Hub of Hope. I didn't know about them until after my suicide attempt when it could have been too late. So it's just about making that help as easy as possible to find for everybody and remove the barriers that are preventing people from, from seeking help. So when people first go into your app, Hub of Hope, they see this great big list of helplines, they find one that they think might be useful for them and they see the, the number in front of them. That's still fairly... Um, challenging I suppose isn't it especially if I'm sort of thinking back to sort of when I had depression you know you're in that headspace you, you even if you're sort of looking at a helpline number you're not necessarily going to ring it because you might be embarrassed you might not know what to say yeah you might just feel a bit silly about it you might be worried about being judged even though you know we know these charities mm. don't judge but it's you just know, don't know what to do what sort of advice would you give to someone at that sort of point I suppose because we talk about the Samaritans a lot on this podcast and we give out the number, but I suppose what should people sort of say? I'm glad that you kind of said that really because I think probably that's something that people might feel and never actually say. One thing I would say uh, to people is that these services that are listed, that might not necessarily be, or they're not necessarily NHS services, the community or charity, these are the people who understand these are the people who take these calls, who deal with cases every single day. These are the people who are the best people to speak to because they're the ones who you won't have to really explain to. They're the ones who will have heard similar things a million times before. I suppose if it was me in terms of a new charity, so for example, interestingly enough, sort of I have bipolar disorder, but I've never rung Bipolar UK. I suppose if it was me, I'd take the advice of my mum in terms of sort of going to the GP because what she always says is write yourself a list of questions, things you want to know or things you want to say um, because that sort of helps me get my sort of mind a bit clearer. So if if you do have questions about a condition or an illness or if there's things you want to say to someone, make yourself a list could be helpful. 
if we're talking about the Samaritans, I think it's quite important to say the Samaritans themselves say on the website, it doesn't have to be a big, deep, deep conversation. The whole point of them is that they're there 24-7 just to have a chat. So you don't have to be suicidal to ring them. You, ha- you don't have to have found out you've got a big, serious, long-term mental health issue. You could just sort of feel like you might want to talk to somebody. And I think that's quite important to say. So you can just bring them. No, you can go on it as many times as you want and prepare yourself for that conversation. It's knowing about it. It's if you're at a crisis point, it might not be that you would be reaching out to them anyway. It might be that you would be reaching out to Samaritans or maybe going to a hospital where if you are at the crisis point, it's about if you can feel yourself kind of things manifesting, getting a little bit worse, then you can be aware of the help that's around. You can have a look do a little bit of research into it mm. as well. And it's about all the different options that, that are around. One of the things that uh, is on is on the, the Hub of Hope and Purposely uh, design is uh, where we have the street view image of where these services are. And one of them was that, you know, my, my I, I do have kind of social anxiety where if I'm going to a, a meeting or I'm going to a new building and I don't know where it is, that can really kind of play on my mind. That can be a a decision to either go or not. Mm. And so that's when we were building it. I said, I want I want people to actually see what the building looks like. I want people to know exactly what road it's on. I don't want you to have to walk down the road and think, I don't know where this is or do I, what, what bell do I ring? You know, stuff like that kind of, they are barriers pre- between you knowing the help that's there and reaching out to actually accessing it. Yeah. So it's about how we can how we can try and, you know, break that down um and and how the services maybe can be aware of of those things as well. And we can work how we can develop that as we kind of go as well. Mm. I mean one of the things that we know is that the biggest use location wise of the Hub of Hope is actually in London. And then uh, Liverpool, Manchester, Birmingham and Leeds, I think. Um, but after the Coronation Street um, storyline a couple of weeks ago, mm. uh, within less than 12 hours, there was 1,800 new users on the Hub of Hope. Mm. That was That's like 20% of our overall users in just, just less than a year. So people are accessing it. People are looking at that help. And again, it's about people just seeing the options that are there. And even if you don't use it, even if you just know it's there, I think sometimes knowing that it's there, then you can kind of assess your situation in your mind. You can think, okay, I know that I can go there if I need to. Mm. Do I feel like I'm at that place? Do I feel like I need to go there yet? No, actually, I think I might be able to get through today. Maybe I'll get through next week. But I know if things get worse, that's where I can go. And that's why I think that... that idea of having options and choices is really important. Mm, I think for me as well, that's why Calm's such a great charity because um, that's specifically, well, I mean, we've been talking a lot about men and mental health and that's specifically um, for men and mental health. And they have sort of lots of resources on their website and a website and a helpline as well, specifically for men to chat about mental health. Can we talk a bit more about suicide in general? Um, so you sort of started this all up because of your suicide attempt. Obviously, you know, there's... Suicide is a huge problem in Britain at the moment. It's the biggest cause of death in young men at the moment. Why do you think that is and what do you think we can do? No matter what the question about mental health or suicide, uh, I think the answer always will come down to education. And I think one of the one of the key um, figures that stood out for me and one of the, again, one of the reasons why we created the charity and the, and the app is that almost three quarters of the 
of the people who died by suicide in the last year and the year before that were not known to mental health services or had not been seen by mental health services in more than a year. Three quarters, I mean, that's significant. I think it's absolutely scandalous, I really do. And, and you've got to ask yourself, why? Why is that number so high? Is it because they don't know where the services are? Is it because of that stigma that's attached that they think they don't want to ask for help? If it is that, why don't they want to ask for help? It's that fear. It's the fear of being judged. It's a fear of being punished. It's a fear of it being used against you. It's a fear of if I go and ask for help here for something uh, mental health related, am I going to lose my job? You know, there's so many unanswered questions and that, that void will only be filled with the answers that are out there. So if you're not educating people from school age and providing the answers and the reassurance, if you're leaving that open, then stigma will always exist. And then I've said before, if you re if you replace the word stigma, stigma with ignorance, that's exactly what it is. And the only way you can possibly challenge or tackle or chase that stigma is by edu educating people, educating children, preparing people. So where and how should we intervene? You mentioned education a lot and sort of educating young people, but obviously our teachers are already incredibly stretched in terms of their time and their resources. So would you argue that we should be making time for this on the curriculum or is this something that parents need to know more about? What? How do you think we should go about this? It's all of that, really. I think it does have to be on the on the curriculum. But again, it's about providing the toolkit for the, for the teachers. Again, it's allowing them to not have to take that responsibility to be the expert, but to know how to speak to people. Going back to men and mental health in general, sometimes I sort of feel when we're talking about this, I almost feel like I should just shut up more because we're in such a sort of an odd place in terms of men and mental health. I feel like there's there's all these different things going on. So I'm sort of quite a strict feminist. I go on about all that sort of stuff. But then at the same time, there's there's I think some men sort of feel like they're not listened to. Sometimes when I sort of tweet things, men sort of respond not necessarily in a negative way, but I think they feel like I'm attacking them for saying my opinions. And also you have the whole thing sort of at the moment in terms of incels, you know, the things that we've sort of read about men who I believe are just probably quite lonely online. How do we support those men? The point I was trying to make when I was saying about how feminism can, can help men is that by changing the expectation of men in society, and that glass ceiling that women face mm. can in turn liberate men because that can then release those shackles of that stereotypical man mm. uh, and what we have to live up to. Men's mental health is a, is a serious, serious issue. And I don't think, personally speaking, feminism is a threat to men. Thanks very much to our guest, Jake Mills. So this has been the podcast where if Ellen was here, she and I would have a lovely chat together about what we thought about the guest and what they said. But I'm on my own this week. Uh, so you just get to listen to my musings. One of the things that Jake talked about, which I found really interesting, was um, the way that we talk about men and mental health. The fact that we shouldn't be afraid of just sort of having sections of mental health. 
I think sometimes there definitely is a tendency to lump mental health altogether. I mean, the thing is, obviously, everyone has mental health, but I think sometimes it's useful to talk about different sectors or different communities, different groups of people who might be struggling with certain issues and different ways that we can help and support them. And obviously this is in everyone's best interests. You know, we all have fathers and brothers and nephews and sons. So when it comes to addressing the huge crisis that there is in terms of male suicide, male mental health issues at the moment, I think this is definitely an area that needs a lot more work I'm actually quite sort of angry about it generally. You know, if you if you think about the fact that suicide is the greatest cause of death for young men, that's absolutely shocking. I mean, the thing is, we've mentioned the statistics before and we can sort of say that it's shocking, but not enough's being done and politicians sort of talk a lot about it. But, you know, what's actually being done? There are some fantastic charities. We did mention them. So there's um, Calm, that's the campaign against living miserably, uh, which is specifically to support men. And there are sort of more local services like the ones that Jake was mentioning in terms of the Hub of Hope that can be accessed um, through there. There's a sort of a range if you go to G- your GP. But I still feel like this is an area that needs more work, needs more investigation. And maybe maybe we just generally need to be a bit more open-minded about how we should approach it because it's a crisis, really. If you've been affected by any of the issues that we've been chatting about in this podcast, please give the Samaritans a ring on 116-123 or you can go to samaritans.org online. Thanks again to our guest, Jake Mills, and thank you to our producer, Sam Bonham. Join us online. We've got a safe space for chatting about mental health issues. You just need to search Mentally Yours on Facebook. You can also chat to us on Twitter. The handle is at Mentally Yours with the YRS at the end. See you next week. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan, crusted chicken, or garlic, butter, shrimp, scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. 